our last night in our series on marriage. I'm going to do a quick recap for those that have forgotten because it's been a week or two. And then I'm going to jump right in. I feel like I need to do a little bit of cleanup from last week because um, I've had a few questions that have popped up, emails that have popped up. So we're going to do that. Uh, I don't need these for this. I need that when I'm reading the Bible. Okay, are we ready? Yes. Yes. <sighs> Father, I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost. Take me wherever you want to take me. I just thank you that you're here and that these things care, that you care about these things. That you put revelation in our heart and you give us utterance in the Holy Ghost to share it. Give us eyes that see and ears that hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us. In Jesus' name. So, our quick recap. So, on marriage, um, the four main purposes of marriage. The first one is that we're a living expression of the Godhead. When marriage functions properly, we're a living expression. The Bible says male and female, he made them, that we're made in the image of God, that when we come together in that unity, we express the Godhead. The second is the commandment of being fruitful and multiplying and exercising dominion, or some translations say subdue the earth. Um, that... Uh, in that, we find procreation, so we're going to multiply and fill the earth. Um, and then the third one is living, we're a living demonstration of Christ in the church. And the fourth one is it conforms you to the image of Christ. I want to do a quick recap of last week because I just want to give bullet points because I think there's been a little bit of, there, there's, there's just a need for it. So last week we covered intimacy. And I want to say this. There's a reason why in, in Genesis 1, 27, when God commanded them to be fruitful and multiply, like there's a reason for the order. Be fruitful, so come together in your intimate union. Become one, spirit, soul, and body. And when you do that, there's multiplication, okay? And from that multiplication, then you're able to subdue the earth. So let's look at it um, in our flesh. So we know that if a husband and wife come together in intimate relationship, what can come from that? Oh, Genius. multiplication, a baby. And from that, we fill the earth. Okay, let's look at it this way. Spiritually, when we come together in union spiritually, we have a multiplication, the seed of God. And what does that do? It subdues the earth. Do you see? Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about that tonight. And so, last week we covered intimacy. Um, God wants you to be one, spirit, soul, and body. The pursuit of becoming one together in him. God commanded them, be fruitful and multiply. And I want to say this, sex is a command of the union. Sex is not a greater need for this one or that one. Uh, scientific studies will tell you that there are some women who have a stronger sex drive than their husbands. And there are some husbands who have a stronger sex drive than their wife. All that means is that they have a stronger sex drive than the other. But that God wants to fulfill that desire in this place. And it comes through intimacy, love, and understanding, and communication. And when those things occur, sexual intimacy becomes an outward expression of inward connection. And when there is demand and need... You've defiled your marriage bed. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. Because the heart in marriage is selfless giving. 
And we talked about facilitating that by having conversations about intimacy. We talked, remember our example of Fred and Mildred? and how Mildred was really shy and she'd never thought about showering with her husband and Fred had a conversation with her that that might be something he would enjoy. Then God prompted her and they had that encounter. You need to have these continual intimate conversations to communicate desire to one another and then trust God with the results of that. This will not work with someone who has issues and frigid, that's frigid that sees sex as wrong, that needs to be healed. Sex is not wrong. It's a gift of God. God made it fun so we would enjoy it and we would continuously um, celebrate the union. So we're all for it being fun. We're all for it being all those things. But I'm not for bringing the world into the marriage bed. Amen. 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 All right. Did I cover that as, as vague as possible without being too graphic? Okay. All right. <clears throat> so the heart behind sex is, is a selfless encounter to bring joy and love to the one you love. Uh, our encouragement is to have intimate conversations about things that you desire, then be prompted by the Holy Spirit to fulfill each one's desire. Often... Um, uh, Often innocence can make these encounters unexpected. These, uh, these conversations sometimes can be difficult if there's a lot of innocence entering into the marriage. What I mean by that is if you were raised in the church and taught all this, this was wrong, um, there, you have to deal with that, that innocence. You don't just say a vow and then you guys go in and everything's like, whoa! You know, you have to work through those things and talk through those things together. Um, sex is an outward expression of inward connection. So the reason why we covered that to such extreme is because this progression, be fruitful, multiply, subdue. When you come together, spirit, soul, and body, and you work with the Holy Spirit to orchestrate into one flesh, you become a dominant force of the Spirit of God in the earth. Because every interaction as a husband and wife that you're having, remember we talked about the Bible uh, in the Passion Translation, it used that word, when God breathed into Adam the breath of life, that it was a kiss, that he breathed that. Think about if every time your intimacy, when you interact, you're breathing God back and forth into each other, and you are a formidable um standard against the enemy okay so we're going to look at that tonight because that is the whole point that's why the devil attacks marriage that's why this gets so twisted in its teaching because if he can keep you ununified he can defeat you mm -hmm. right. but if you are one he is dead meat right. <laughs> in every possible way we're going to look at that so um Let's go to the Bible. Let's go to Genesis 1.27. Josh, you want to read that in the New King James Version for me? No, it doesn't matter. 127 and 28. If you'll read that in the New King James Version for me. 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Okay, I want to say this. Um, in the King James where it says subdue the earth, the cross-reference in the King James Version is this scripture. And I just think this is really interesting in light of what we're talking about. This is the cross-reference for subduing the earth. It says, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection. Lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Mm -hmm. So remember how we talked about when we were talking about this intimacy that every context, <coughs> every context in the Bible that speaks about marriage starts with the body of Christ, talks about walking in love, talks about walking in forgiveness, talks about walking in submission to the gift of God in each of us. And then it says... Husbands, love your wives. Wives, love your husbands. So the context is always protect the union. Yes. Walk in the union. Walk in submission to the gift of God in one another. And while we're here, let's deal with marriage. This is how this should look. Why? Because we're a picture of Christ in the church. So the same thing that's going on in the church should be happening in our home. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. All right. So, and I want to look at this other, this is in the Passion Translation. I wanted to share this with you because I just thought this was just too good to pass by. So let me share this. This same scripture, this is his commentary at the bottom for the word subdue. The word subdue means to take dominion or to take control. This would simply be harnessing natural resources in appropriate fashion, caring for the earth. Cultivating and harvesting fields, mining resources, and releasing its potential to benefit the most high mankind in creation. Um, so subdue. It's not just about marriage. It's about exercising God's dominion in the earth. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Let's look at Psalm 8. Where's my passion? Oh, it's right here. Psalm 8. Six through nine. Let's look at that. Let's look at this one. Psalm eight. Uh, this is talking about man. I'm going to back up to verse four because I just love this interaction. Why would you bother with puny mortal man? Or care about human beings. They're talking to God. Yet what honor you have given to men. Created them a little lower than Elohim. Crowned him with glory and magnificence. You have delegated. Everybody say delegated. delegated. To them. Say them. them. Rulership over all that you have made. With everything under their authority. And placing earth itself under the feet of your image bearers. That's us. All the created order and every living thing of the earth, sky, and sea, the wildest beast, all that move in the paths of the sea, everything in submission to Adam's sons. Yahweh, our sovereign God, your glory streams from the heavens above. 
So I want you to see he's telling us we have dominion. Right? Y'all mm -hmm. see that? Right. And one of the commands that came with being fruitful and multiply was to exercise this dominion. So let's look at another scripture. Let's look at, I'm supposed to read this of the passion. I should have had you do all this, baby. Yeah. You want me to do it? I'm going to just, I believe I can do it. Okay. Okay. Genesis 3, I'm going to look at verse 20. The man named his wife Eve, life giver, because she would become the mother of every human being. Yahweh God made garments from animal skins to clothe them, Adam and Eve. And Yahweh said, to, said, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might take his hands, uh, he might take in his hands fruit from the tree of life and eat it and live forever. Therefore, Yahweh expelled them from Eden's paradise um, to till the ground which they were taken from. He drove them out of the garden and placed a fearsome angelic sentries east of the Garden of Eden and turning a fiery sword and guarded the way to the tree of life. I wanted to read this uh, in reference to the sword. This is what the commentary in this passion says about the word sword. It says, this is the first reference to the sword or what we would call the Bible. The sword is a metaphor of God's word as it judges the intentions of the heart. We still must pass through the ministry of the flaming sword to return to the place where God desires us to dwell. This sword was awakened against the Lord Jesus as he paid the price to redeem us to God. The cherubim embroidered into the fabric of the veil of the Holy of Holies were like centuries guarding the way to the life within when the veil was torn in two from top to bottom. It was through the cherubim parted, granting access to the veil for every believer to come and feast on the tree of life, Jesus Christ. So let me, here's the Karen Paraphrase translation. So in the garden, when God sent them out of the garden, flaming sword came. So here I am, a flaming sword, and I'm turning every which way. What am I? I'm a cross. And the flame is in the center of me. What is that? The day of Pentecost, mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Showing forever that the only access to the tree of life is through the cross by the Holy Spirit. In front of that are four cherubim. Now, I don't know if you know this, but cherubim are heavenly creatures. They have four faces. It's the face of a man, the face of an eagle, the face of an ox, and a lion. And, a lion. and those four images are on the veil that was torn from top to bottom, giving us access to the Holy of Holies. And they are, those four images represent Jesus. Each one of the Gospels represent one of those images. Are y'all still with me? Mm -hmm. So this guard is Jesus. So when you have Jesus, you can go through the sword to access the tree of life. And this is the position of dominion that we live from. Amen. Okay, are y'all still with me? Yeah. All right. I don't know why I felt like I needed to stand up. Girl just does. Okay. <laughs> Um, so I wanted to show you this because when I, what did I do with Cricket's drawing? Oh, thank God. Um, because when I was praying about this and preparing, you know how God is with me sometimes, I had this dream. I had it three times, so I knew it was the Lord and I knew I was supposed to share it. But one of the reasons why 
it's been burning in my heart for so long to teach about sexual intimacy in the marriage bed is because it is that outward expression of inward connection. And if you're not healthy in that way, you really aren't becoming one flesh. But when you are functioning that way, there's a union, union that comes in your life. God begins to meld you spirit to spirit. And those of us who've been married for a long time can tell you, I know the moment my husband's in trouble without him calling me, texting me, whatever, I know. We've worked in tandem before, not ever communicating. Years ago, I was at home. Boy, we're going a different place. Years ago, I was at home cooking dinner. I had babies crying and yelling at me. I'm whipping potatoes. And I'm not watching. This is the season where I'm not doing TV. And the Holy Ghost says to me, turn on the TV. I'm thinking, okay. So I turn on the TV, and they interrupt. There's a car accident, and there's this thing going on. The moment that I turn on the TV and see this car accident, the Holy Ghost falls on me. So here I am whipping my potatoes and I'm praying in tongues, praying in tongues, praying in tongues, praying in tongues. And all of a sudden I start shouting and declaring, Josh, you take authority in the name of Jesus. You command life back there in Jesus name. God's not done. And went back to whipping potatoes. Okay. So fast forward several hours later, because that's like at five and Josh didn't get home till like eight back in those days. Josh comes in at eight o'clock and he said it was the craziest thing. He said this lady that was in a car accident, she came in and he said she was dead. I mean, we had worked on her for 20 minutes. She was dead. He said I was standing at the nurse's station writing the death certificate and it's like I heard someone scream my name. Go back in. And he walked back in and hit the woman's chest. All the stuff came back on. He leaned over and said, Jesus is healing you. Don't say anything else. And later that night, he met her daughter who'd been praying for her salvation for years. What happened there? Two became one and exercised dominion. Are you with me? Yes. This is why this is terrifying to the devil. So let me show you something. So when you function that way, you're a threat. But this is the coolest thing. I love this part about God. So this is the dream. I had this dream three times. So I called Cricket, my sister-in-law, who is a phenomenal artist. Um, I could take you through the house and show you paintings that she's done. But I said, Cricket, and I only gave her like, 24 hours, so, you know. I, I said, can you help me with this? This is what I saw, and this is what I saw. So a couple who is defiling their marriage bed on a regular basis, there's a wall. It's an unseen wall, but it's there. It might be a wall of silence. It might be a wall of offense. It might be a wall of sexual impropriety. There's a wall, and it keeps them from coming together in that kind of dominion. But then here's our other couple, the one we're all striving to be. They've connected with Jesus. They're selflessly giving each other themselves. They're selflessly giving to God their life. And when they lay down, there's a oneness. And this wall is no longer between them. There's a wall around them. 
Thy, O Lord, are a shield about me. You're my glory, you're my lifter of my head. There becomes this protection in the unity of the marriage that makes you very hard to take out. Right? I said, that's why I like this spoon so much. <laughs> I, was, I told Brigitte, she goes, I'm going to Google spoon. I go, don't do that. Don't do that. I Google don't sweet do old couple. <laughs> stop right there. So I want to point out a few things. First thing I want to point out is that Peter is telling us we're heirs together. So he's saying we're subduers together. We can dominate the earth together. And y'all, we've tested this out. I will tell you, I can't tell you, we're from Oklahoma. I've literally watched my husband stand in the front yard while I'm standing in the doorway, seeing a tornado heading our way, saying, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Psalm 91 is functioning in my house. You go over my home. You do not touch down on my property. And we watch the tornado go, whoop. No damage to our house. God has given you authority. Even, even our kids, Josh would teach the kids, we have authority over creation. Our little daughter, Whitney, would sit in the pool and go, Whoopist! In the name of Jesus! I command you to get out of here! And the wasp would fly away because she was really afraid of wasps. You incorporate this into your way of living. You take dominion. God's given us dominion and your heirs together. In the grace of God... So, another thing that we noticed in the scriptures of marriage, it was really concerned about you keeping your relating right, but not so that you would have a good sex life. You keep your relating right so that your prayer life is not hindered. Mm -hmm. Because God is going for your prayer life. Mm -hmm. And he gave you this great life to build a union that's not easily broken. Do you understand? Yeah. And from that union, there comes tremendous power. Tremendous power available. Do y'all see that? Mm -hmm. Yes. Heirs um, together in the grace of God. I'm going to say that this way because that's become super religious. And I'm going to say it this way to make it more practical in your mind. Mm -hmm. Living together by your reborn spirit. Mm -hmm. Or living together out of the promptings of the Spirit and newness of life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, let's look at Ephesians. Someone look up Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. Somebody look up John 16, 5 through 13. Okay. Ephesians 4, 4. Ephesians 4, 17 through 32. This I say, therefore, and testify in the, in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness, but greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in you, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which is created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, what is good that he may have something to give him who has need. Okay, so what I want to see here is this is a pathway to dominion. It's talking about heart maintenance to keep yourself in a place of dominion. It's so important in your relationship to just... Um, the Bible says it this way, capture the foxes, the little foxes little fox. that eat the vine. And the reason why the scripture says it that way is, I don't know if you know this, but when a fox comes into a vineyard, they burrow underneath the ground and they eat the root system. And when they eat the root system, the vines still look like they're healthy and great. But then all of a sudden, they just die. And it's because the foxes have gone underground and eaten that's what happens when you let offense in. That's what happens when you let the sun go down on your anger. Now, let me quickly say, that doesn't mean that you have to iron through. You can look at your spouse and say, we're going to have to agree to disagree Amen. on this one. We're going to have to agree to disagree. And then what we usually do is we go to our corners. And I say, God, if I'm wrong, change me. If I'm not, change him. And we just pray for one another. And sure enough, God will as God always does, bring our little bottoms back together <laughs> and make us work to, through it out. But there should be a drive in you to keep the unity. There should be, so there's no yuck. And there are sometimes when um, you'll, so the devil is real. I'm going to say this. And a lot of times we can open the door to the enemy through different things. Maybe something we watch, maybe something we say, maybe something we you know, and before you know it, you can be cooperating with the enemy. Yeah. And there have been multiple times where we have said to one another, I love you, Josh, but Satan, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over you and I command you to be silent and not speak anymore. And Josh doesn't get offended at that, and I don't get offended at that. Because okay. often, we just kind of go, whoop. And there's nothing left to say. Why? Because we have an agreement that our unity is very important. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. It's more important than our feelings sometimes. Mm. Is there All something right. you guys talked about? Yes. 
remember, this is 39 years in the making. How long was it until you felt like you were pretty good into like getting to this point? I was gonna say, this is a much longer testimony for this time, but the first seven years of our marriage were hell on earth. And now they're heaven on earth. Amen. Okay, and we've gone through everything. There's not anything that we haven't faced. We've, 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 we've pretty much dealt with it all. Um, and that's a, that's a story for another, another week. It take too much to be here with me. Yeah. I, I was raped before we were married, so I had a lot of baggage. We had um, some infidelity. We had porn addictions. We had things we had to overcome. We didn't come all in squeaky clean with good. Although God was part of our life, we had junk. And part of what marriage is, um, I love the scripture in Proverbs that says, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Part of what marriage is is that process of knocking the stuff off your life. Mm -hmm. That's why part of it is being conformed to the image of Christ. Let's read John 16. Who's got that? John 16, 5 through 13. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. So I love this. We could spend a whole, I could spend a whole day here with the Holy Ghost because I just love when it, the Bible talks about the Holy Ghost. But here we go. He has three main ministries in the earth. I don't know if you know this. The first main ministry the Holy Spirit has is he convicts you that you need a Savior. <coughs> the second thing he does is once you get saved, he convicts you that you're righteous. Right. Mm-hmm. He says, come away from that. That's not who you are. Mm-hmm. Little sheepy, come over here. Oh, this is who you are. Mm-hmm. Now act this way. Then the third thing that he does is he empowers us to enforce Satan's defeat. Because Satan has been defeated. Yes. All right? And then it goes on to say, you might not remember all these things. You might not remember everything Jesus has told you. How many of y'all can quote the Bible? Right? You might not remember everything, but don't panic! Because the Holy Ghost will bring to remembrance everything he said. He'll transmit, disclose to your heart, God. That's why when you understand that God is your partner, he draws you together. I cannot tell you how many times when we were newlyweds, this is one of my favorite favorite things, is we were growing in these things. In the night, any time I would bump Josh, He would say, I love you. And then he'd start praying in tongues for me. It was like a squeaky doll. (laughs) I love you. Oh my gosh. Like just the the love would ooze right on out. He had no recollection of it. But I love that. There's this heart where you pray for one another. You help one another. 
you see to one another. Right? Yes. So we're going to be enforcers of Satan's defeat. That's part of our job. Let's look at this. Um, here's another example of dominion. I love this scripture. B.J. Thomas used to have a song on the scripture. I just love this scripture. Uh, Matthew 18, 8 through 27, it says, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you, if two of you on earth concerning, agree, concerning anything, everybody say anything, anything they ask, it will be done for them of my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am in the midst. I am in the midst. I am in the midst. When you walk in this union, I, th this union appears in a bunch of different ways. I'm going to show you, I'm going to share some ways, just some ways to get your mind thinking. But, you know, I've shared with you before, I have the gift of discerning of spirits. So a lot of times when Josh and I will move into our house, I go, there's a devil in here. And so Josh will go through and anoint the house with oil, and the Holy Spirit will tell him exactly what to do, take authority and get that thing out of our house. Yeah. And he'll be on a high alert. He'll know. And he covers over our house. I can tell when the moment the peace is out of our house. I can tell. So we function in tandem in that way. We function in tandem when storms come up. Like I said, in fact, my daughter-in-law te teases us all the time. There was a time when they lived in Grapevine, and from their house, they were up on a hill, but they could see down where our house is. And she said there was like horrible storms. It was when all those power lines went down in Grapevine and everything. And she yeah. said that after the storm, they went out in the front yard. And she said, where your house was, there was a double rainbow. <laughs> and she said, over here, there was hell on earth. <laughs> and the thing is, we've watched them as a young couple. We've watched the devil bombard them and beat their brains out over the last several years. And they're coming up on seven, which I don't believe is really. But anyway. Something shifted about a month or so ago where they just clicked in that agreement. And now it's like they are kitten, kicking butt and taking names. They find, that's how it was for us. It was like the devil was terrified of us, terrified of us, terrified of us. And then they're just, just like with Jesus, he left us for a better season. You know what I mean? And he just knew this was not a place to mess with. It's not a place to mess with. Um, let's look at another scripture. James. So I want to read this. Where do wars and fights come among you? Do they come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. I want to stop and I want you to give you this scripture in context of a marriage relationship. Do you covet a sex life that you're not having? Do you covet what you're not having? What are you doing about that? Are you demeaning your mate? Are you telling them how bad they are that they're not meeting your need? Because what this scripture says is the solution is pray. Mm -hmm. 
Where is that? Karen, what was the scripture? James 4, 1 through, but 1 and 2, that's where. It says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? This is not, I mean, I'm not taking it out of context, y'all. You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You want a marriage that's heaven on earth? I'll tell you how to get that. You go to the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. He's the one dispensing those. Mm -hmm. He's the one that brings heaven to earth. He's the one that can help you in that. Mm -hmm. You ask and do not receive because you ask a myth that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses. What is he saying? Wrong heart. We could say it that way. Wrong heart, wrong heart. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Do you think the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. He gives more grace therefore and says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. Then draw near to God. He draws near to you. He cleanses you and purifies your heart. Um, I want to point out a couple of things here. The Holy Spirit yearns over us and is jealous with a jealous love for our hearts. But he's also yearning over our marriages mm -hmm. to wholly have them. Mm -hmm. That is the whole point. For God to have a dynamic duo in the earth. That is the whole point. So I just want you to think of that scripture in that context. And I want you to think about um, when you have a problem with the one that you love, your best ally is the Lord. And we've talked about that over the past few weeks, right? Yes. Let's look at one more scripture. Y'all still okay? Yes. Your faces are just liars. Liar faces. <laughs> 16. Um, let's look at this. Where, okay. Where is it? Uh, Mark 16, verse 15. Jesus is talking. Go into the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. Isn't it interesting that we're supposed to preach the gospel to every creature? Mm -hmm. I've been talking to the trees out here about Jesus. <laughs> I just I think it. that's funny. Um, and he who believes is baptized and will be saved. And he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. These things should be a mark of your dominion in your marriage. Amen. In our married life, I've watched my husband, um, our daughter, Walked over, we had one of those kettle cookers in the backyard, and she walked up, she was six, five, four. Put her hands, and we screamed, bloody murder. We saw huge blisters come up. Josh just grabbed her hands and started taking authority. I came right over and stood with him. We took authority. And in a few seconds, we watched her flesh turn to perfect pink flesh. Right before our very eyes. We saw our son be in an accident. 
and should have been a quadriplegic. And the Holy Spirit gave both of us a word. And in tandem, we are taking that dominion Amen. on the way to the hospital. Amen. We are taking that dominion because the scripture gave us that dominion. But we're formidable because we're two. One puts a thousand to flight. Two puts 10,000 to flight. We've got multiplication. Do you see? So good. So good. Okay, let's look at this. Last one. Y'all still okay? So good. Last one. Luke. This week when I was doing my Bible study, I have a ladies group on Thursday. And Josh was doing his calendar and I'm trying to read my Bible. And every two seconds it's going bing, bing, bing on my calendar. So I had to go to the study and get dude. Fix the calendar. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Luke 10, 19. I love this scripture. Are y'all ready? Mm-hmm. Let's back up and see what it says. So Jesus is talking about, he sent the 70 out, right? He sent the 70 out. It's in Luke uh, 10. We're going to start around verse 17. He sent the 70 out, and they just saw miraculous things. He sent them out by twos. Isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. (sighs) Interesting. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Hallelujah. May it ever be true. Mm-hmm. Behold, there's Jesus. He's doing something. I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. And over all, everybody say all. All, all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you but rather because your names are written in heaven. This should be the story of your marriage. That you have power to tread on serpents. When the Bible talks about serpents and scorpions, those are demonic entities. It's saying you kick butt and take names with the devil. And that shouldn't be anything that makes you afraid. It shouldn't make you draw back. It shouldn't make you anything. Your agreement is so important. And y'all, you've got you to find the rhythm of your own God life. I think I said this the first week, but I, it bears repeating. You know, when Josh and I got married, we were in the Baptist church, and everybody had all these ideas. You know, this is how you do a godly marriage. You do family devotions, or you do all. And every time we tried to do all those things, it just killed our God life. Because if there should be anything in your God life, it should have life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so what we learned to do was we had a vibrant, alive God life before we knew each other. We just kept doing that God life. We didn't try to have a quiet time together. Although I will tell you, after 39 years, this is a new development since we moved in this house. But in the mornings, I come in and I I read and pray here. And he comes in and reads and prays there. But in the past, he would go (coughs) in his study. I used to pursue God at night. He pursued God at the crack of morning. Uh, When he married me, I was a musician, so I felt like that life didn't begin until noon, (laughs) and that it didn't end until three in the morning. 
and he was on a different schedule. And as time has gone, we're on the same schedule. Do you understand what I'm yeah. saying? That's why I was saying before you get married, there's the finding. You're pursuing the finding the one. When you get married, you pursue the becoming. Mm -hmm. God begins to cause you to become one. And just like you're working out your salvation, God causes you to become one. And then you, you get into a rhythm with God where you work together. I mean, we sit on the back patio in the morning and we pray over our kids in agreement together. When God quickens a scripture, we share them and we pray and declare those things together. We take those positions of authority. We pray about our finances. Pray over you. Yeah, we pray over you by name. Whatever the thing, you need to exercise your dominion. Um, harnessing its fields, mining its resources, releasing its potential to benefit creation. You've been given authority. You've been given authority over creation. In fact, I will tell you this one thing that's really funny. <laughs> like, God is so practical, y'all. In our neighborhood, so see that thing down there? That, like, it used to be a horse trainer thing, but they made it into a pavilion for this park. There's some skunks that have, mm -hmm. that have burrowed down in there. And all the people on this street, except for us, have been having difficulty with the skunks. And we sat on the back patio and we took authority and we said, in the name of Jesus, we command the angels that are charged to us to put centuries on our property and keep the skunks off our property. Amen. And that they will be terrified to step on this property because it belongs to you, Jesus. Amen. And I literally walk, watch them go past our house into my neighbor's yard, across to, and no difficulty with skunks. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We've been given power and authority. Yes. Yes. That's right. yep. We've been given power and authority. And then when something rises against you, because I mean we've we've had our house burned down, we've had we've gone through some gradu. Even when those things happen, it never rattles us. You know, I love when Bill Johnson was sharing about losing Benny. And this happened to us when our house burned down. I remember standing in front of our house, our gas grill had exploded, and my house is burning to the ground. And as I stood there, I said out loud, Jesus, Psalm 91 says no plague will even come near my dwelling. And I don't know if you know, but my house is burning. And so I know that that is true, and this is not. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to let my heart ascend into you until you help me believe that instead of this. Mm -hmm. And you show me how this could occur because that's true. That's good. And then we took a year to walk through that and do that experience with God. And I'll never forget it. I was mowing the yard. I was in the back backyard mowing our, our yard after moving home and all the stuff. All the stuff we walked through. And I heard the Lord say to me, you need to have a cookout. I said, I don't want to have a cookout. Well, I said, I don't want my house burned down. And the Lord said, you need to face that fear because I'm with you. And then he said to me, sweetheart, with me, there's no such thing as permanent damage. Yes. Because there's nothing that can occur to you that I can't heal, create, restore, renew, redo. Because I am the creator. 
That's why no weapon that's formed against you can prosper. Amen. 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 And you know what? That was true of Job, y'all. Job lost everything. But God came back and gave him everything. And in heaven, he's got even double family. There is no great loss there. Because because of what Job walked through, he cried, I believe, this is my, this is free. This is Karen's opinion. I believe the whole point of the book of Job was God's the God of all comfort, but he doesn't want you comfortable. In James 4, it says the earnest, heartfelt prayer of a righteous man makes power available. I believe everything that happened with Job was for two reasons. Job cried out for two very significant things. The oldest book in the Bible, these two things opened the door for covenant with Abraham and Jesus to come in the earth. Job cried out for a mediator to stand between him and God yes. and present his case to heaven, Jesus. Yes. And Job said, oh, that your words could be written, that they could be carved on tablets of stone, that a man could understand and walk with God. Yes. He cried out for the living word. Yes. He cried out for the written word. Yes. And because of those two things, God had permission to do his seed plan. Mm -hmm. That's good. His seed plan in the earth. Wow. It's like Psalm 105 that walks us through the story of Joseph and that all this stuff happened. The Bible says, it literally says these things happened to develop his character so that when the promise manifested, he would be ready. Remember we talked about a week ago about how in the book of Joshua it says the Ai, the battle of Ai, you remember this? It says that God undergirded the armies of Israel until he saw that they were more powerful than the enemy. Then God moved over here and stirred up the enemy <laughs> to go after Israel because God knew they would win. Is it possible that the battle that's in front of you got put there because you can win it? Mm -hmm. And God wants a victory in his column. I receive that. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's good. I agree with her. That's All right. <laughs> so I'm just going to pray over us. And oh, oh, I wanted to show you this. this Y'all, okay, I know a lot of people have really passionate ideas about Kenneth Copeland Ministries. But this is a great resource. This is on their website. And I'm not... I'm not for or again. I'm just saying. But I, these are scriptures about dominion, and I just want to go through them real quick. Do we have time, y'all? Mm -hmm. Is it it's okay? Sure. I just want to go through this real Please. quick. And then we'll do communion. You good? Yes, ma'am. But I just thought this was so good, and it's free. It's all free. I love free. <laughs> I love free. Genesis 1, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image, in our likeness. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock, all wild animals on the earth and small animals that scurry on the ground, even skunks. <laughs> Genesis 1, And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and every living thing that moves on the earth. And by the sword they shall live, and they shall serve thy brother, and it shall come to pass that when they have dominion, they shall break the yoke off their neck. Judges 5.13 then he made him that remaineth have dominion over the nobles among the people. The Lord made 
uh, made me have dominion over the mighty. So God's even giving you dominion over governments. You know, Daniel ruled Babylon from his knees. Mm -hmm. Job 25.2, dominion and fear belong to him who makes peace in high places. Mm -hmm. You can tear down principalities of power and make peace in high places. Psalm 8.6, you have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. If I'm the body of Christ, guess where that makes everything? Under my feet. Keep, uh, Psalm 19, 13. Keep back, you servant, also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over you. So don't let sin have dominion over you. Psalm 49, 14. Like sheep we are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them. But the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning. And their beauty shall be consumed in the grave far from their dwelling. Psalm 72, 8. He shall have dominion also over the sea and the river ends of the earth. Psalm 119, 133. Direct my steps by your word and let no iniquity have dominion over me. Luke 10, 19. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Romans 6, 9. Knowing that Christ has raised him uh, has raised him no more death no more has dominion over you okay. Romans 6 14 for sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under law you're under grace mm -hmm. Ephesians 1 17 we read that already and we read this one in Peter anyway I just wanted to share those scriptures let me pray over you and then um, we're going to do communion Okay. Father, we thank you that you're here. We thank you, Lord, for every marriage that's represented here and every person that you have a mate for, that they haven't met that mate or you haven't brought them together yet, but that you have a plan and a purpose. That you didn't make the fish and say, hang on, water's coming. Mm -hmm. yeah. Made water and then created fish. That your provision is always perfect. That your timing is always perfect. And we thank you and trust you in that. Father, I pray right now, I plead the blood over every marriage in this room. And Father, where there might be uh, just harassing spirits, uh, the Bible says that the devil is the prince of the power of the air. So, Father, we just take authority over all spirits of misunderstanding, miscommunication, accusation, and command them to leave in Jesus' name. And we release the spirit of peace and understanding and cooperation into every home. Father, we release your love in every home. We release your goodness. And Father, we release your spirit to draw everyone to yourself. And as you draw us to you, you draw us together. Father, I just pray for healing in hearts. And Father, I ask that you give these precious couples fresh ability to communicate to one another, to learn and grow in love in one another together to exercise their dominion and power and authority. 
And Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your word, and I thank you for what you've shown us. Help us to walk in it. And get some glory, Jesus. We love you. Amen.